Hi, and welcome to the Lactation Training Lab podcast. I'm Christine, an IBCLC and lactation career coach. I help current and aspiring lactation care providers optimize their lactation practice and career through resources, information, and mindset shifts that help them to clarify and reclaim their purpose and mission in lactation work. I've been in the lactation field for 20 years now, and this podcast is my way of sharing with you what I've learned and what the future holds for those of us supporting families and babies. Whether you're seasoned or studying, I hope this show will make you think and inspire you to act. Let's get started. Welcome back. Today, I have something a little different for you. I'm going to call this office hours. I wanted to share with you some of the things that I've been working on and one of the processes that I use, uh, something that I think might be helpful for anybody who needs to research a topic in lactation or is putting together a presentation or has always been a little bit intimidated by the process of putting together a presentation for others. I wanted to share with you some of the steps that I go through because I think it would be helpful for you to see kind of how I think about things and how I approach it. So you can get an idea of what it would be like for you if you decided to submit an abstract and make a presentation uh, so that you could present to others and teach them what you know. So first I've been working on this week, I'm really excited to tell you that all of the SERPs that I've applied for recently have been approved. So what that means for you is that you can now earn 11 SERPs through the first 100 hours masterclass, which as you know, is a comprehensive lactation care plan strategy for the early postpartum period. And the focus of this strategy is really the communication and the language, how we talk to people about what's going on. Not only the clients and the patients that we're serving who are actually doing the feeding, but also the rest of the healthcare staff, putting together ways of talking about what we expect to be happening, what's normal, and how we approach those moments of obstacles and challenges that come up so frequently during that really critical time period. So when you take this masterclass, it covers the clinical, it covers the language, it covers basically a full transformation for you and how you approach and think about this period of lactation and how much you can help people. Imagine feeling more confident about walking away from each patient that you've seen, knowing that you've given them the best options and the simplest way to think about things, having that confidence that no matter how complex the situation gets with all of the things that can, can complicate things in a hospital setting, you can walk away knowing that you simplified it for not only the patient and their family, but also for the other staff that are taking care of them. Really, the first 100 hours masterclass is about that. It's about helping you know that you did everything that needed to be done and that you have set this person on the path to optimizing their lactation experience, making sure that we're not confusing the issue for people and really bringing in the most important clinical techniques and strategies that we have. It comes with tons of uh, downloadable handouts that you can use that will help you to organize how you're working, how you think about this time frame, and how you assess patients during this time frame. And I have um, talked to students who have finished the course. Some of them have said, you know, I can't use those forms 
in my work setting because we have, you know, an electronic documentation system or we have other ways of assessing and evaluating and documenting, but I really like the way they're laid out because they've helped me change the way I think about it and the way I approach those assessments. And others have asked, well, can I use these handouts that you've made for parents if I want to teach this prenatally? Absolutely. So you've got a prenatal package of information that you can present to parents in a prenatal education setting. You've got handouts that help you. You've got handouts you can use with parents to help them simplify their, their lactation management plan. If things are going off the rails for them and they're feeling overwhelmed, you can help them simplify that on paper visually so that they can understand it. And it's all based on this premise that the first 100 hours of the baby's life, so many things happen lactation-wise for both the parent and the baby. It's just a really intense, critical period of attachment, of getting things started in a really smart way. And the hope of this program, the goal is to prevent a lot of interference with unnecessary interventions. And those interventions can be anything from feeding formula when, when there's milk available, um, using a bottle when a cup or a spoon would do best, using a breast pump and bringing that into the situation when hand expression would work best. So overall, just a really comprehensive strategy for everything you really need to know if you're working with people during this time frame. So it may sound as if it's only for folks who work in the hospital setting, but keep in mind, many patients are going home long before the first 100 hours are over. So many people are seeing clients for the first time you know, at 36 hours, at 48, at 72. And so you can be seeing a variety of different outcomes at that point, and you can still get things back on track. It really helps for anyone who works with lactation clients in the first two weeks. It works really, really well in those settings because it addresses so many of the things that you're going to see during that time frame. And just offers this way of focusing things back to what is actually really important to do and to think and to approach in that time frame. So that first 100 hours masterclass is available on my website. It is uh, worth 11 SERPs if you need SERPs. Comes with all the handouts and Q and A's. So lots of stuff to check out there. It's a self-paced module that you approach online and you can do it at your own convenience. There's no deadline to when you finish it. So if you were to purchase it and you know need three months to finish it, that's fine. And if you were to purchase it and finish it in a few weeks, that's also fine. It's totally up to you. So that is now available on my website. And part of the first 100 hours masterclass is also a module specifically on late preterm infants and addressing their needs during that time frame and beyond. So it's a really focused deep dive on early um, early birds is what I call them, um, late preterm infants and their specific needs around initiating and maintaining lactation, that is included as part of the first 100 hours masterclass. But if you actually don't want to take the whole entire masterclass and you're really actually interested only in the early birds part, I've broken that out and that 
uh, section of learning is actually worth four SERPs. So you can take that module. It's also self-paced and you can take as long as you need. And it also comes with handouts that are specifically designed for you to both share with parents and use for yourself. So it's really tailored to the specific lactation needs of late preterm infants, which is so important. And it's just another area where as we all know more and are able to communicate that better with other healthcare providers, it's going to make things easier for parents. It just never seems to, uh, never ceases to amaze me that I continue to see patients who have taken home late preterm babies from a hospital setting, even a NICU, and they were not told anything about how that late preterm birth would impact this baby's feeding. And so they're floundering because they're looking at information about breastfeeding that's aimed at term infants, and they're not seeing their baby do that. They're hearing advice from other friends and family who took home term infants, and their baby doesn't do what those babies did. It's so confusing for them when they don't get this information from the beginning. So the early birds module is also available for you on my website, and I hope that you'll take advantage of these learning opportunities. They're self-paced, they're convenient, they come with lots of beautiful handouts, and I'm always available for Q&A and to talk more about those issues and, and topics. So really excited to share with you about that. And then I also have been developing something kind of special, which is coming really soon, but before it even gets started, the first thing that I've developed is a set of five free posts, which you could use on social media. This project is called Simple Social for Breastfeeding Advocates, and it came out of an experience I had a few years ago where I had the opportunity to work with a collaboration of organizations globally where we put together, or they put together for us, specific content around the theme of World Breastfeeding Week so that everybody could be sharing really similar messages. And it worked super well. And I just loved as a provider of education, having someone already say the words and have everything already made for me. And I know that you will appreciate this too. So I've created a set of five free ones for you. And they're all based around messaging that has to do with the promotion of breastfeeding in all of its forms and the promotion of health and wellness through breastfeeding, sustaining the environment through breastfeeding, everything through the lens of an IBCLC myself, who's been practicing in lactation for more than 20 years through the lens of ethics and the WHO code prepared for you to be able to just download and share on your own social media. I want it to be simple and it's not a social media strategy or a plan, it's simply posts. They come with captions that are well, or that are really well thought out to match with the graphic that it comes with. But if you wanted to take that caption, take pieces out of it, if you wanted to rewrite it, if you wanted to change something, it's all for you. So you do what you need to do with it. And so I've created those five free ones and the, the next part of the plan is the package. There'll be a whole package of more of those that you'll be able to purchase that will just make it easier for you to sit down and be able to post consistently about the whole reason that we do this work that we all do, our whole entire mission. So I encourage you to go to my website and download those free ones. You might as well, even if you're not interested in buying the package at any point, you might as well get the free ones because you can definitely use those. 
So that is under development at the moment. I mean, the, the free ones are ready and the rest of it is under development. I'm really excited about that project because as you know, I talk so much about language and how we say things. So I've really carefully crafted the messages there to make sure that they're in accordance with everything that we do and we're responsible to say and to promote publicly. And then you can take those and you can tailor them to your own unique voice and the needs of the people that you serve. So I hope that that's going to be really, really helpful for you. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it um, as you start to look at those free ones and you start to see them uh, go out into the world. Really excited about that. So now, as promised, another thing I've been working on is preparing a presentation for um, a large education project, which has not been announced yet. So it's something that I've been contracted to uh, be part of, really excited about it, and I look forward to being able to share that with you. But for the moment, it's um, in development. So I'm putting together my portion of the presentation. I have one specific topic that I'm researching and I am creating a presentation on. And I wanted to share with you the process of how I do that, how I approach it. As you know, I do speaking engagements throughout the year, and this is another one of those. And I have a process that I use, and I've made you know changes and adjustments and shifted things around in how I do it over the years. But I'm really happy with the process that I have right now. And if you think of anything that I can do to make it even better, I really look forward to hearing that feedback. But let me let you know just kind of how I approach these things. So we begin with a topic, you know, either a topic that I've proposed because I'm interested in it, or a topic that the manager or organizer of the event wants me to speak on. And this one is a topic I've never spoken on before. So I really needed to start from scratch on this. So the way I begin is I do some notes. I think about what do I know? I ask myself, what do I know about this topic? And then I divide that up. What do I know because I can find it in the references? What do I know because I know it from working with people? What have I experienced? Have I experienced it personally? Is it something that I have worked with a lot of clients with, or is it something I've only seen rarely? Is it something that I know from my experiences or from my reading that there are different cultural approaches to? And then what are my biases or opinion? Am I thinking of something that is, I feel, you know, being approached always on the internet with all of these different tips that maybe aren't very helpful in the long term? Or maybe everyone seems to recommend a specific remedy for this that we really don't know why it works or we really don't know if it's actually evidence-based. So I'm looking for all of those things. What is my whole existing knowledge around it? And where is that coming from? You know, who, what is feeding what I currently know and what I would be able to tell a client in that situation right now if they presented to me today? So after I've done that, then I look back for, um, I, I always want to look in the scope of practice of an IBCLC because I am one, and I want to make sure that I understand specifically how I need to approach this as an IBCLC so that I'm going to include this in my presentation so that everyone who's there and attending is going to know if they are an IBCLC, this is what they're responsible for as well. And I'm going to look for what are the limits of my scope and what are the places where it's important that I 
understand the global context and what would be done. Uh, what that means to me really is that I work, live and practice in the United States where typically most of our clients use a medical model of care for things. And I have to remember at all times that people outside of the United States may not be approaching things that are happening with their body from a Western medical model approach. There are places where homeopathic medicine is very well accepted and is a first line of defense. There are places where medications are not very readily available to people or physician access is not readily available. So we need to think about all of those different contexts of how things are approached in different places. It also helps to remind us how common certain problems are in different places. And that can lead to questions about if we're talking about a topic that seems really prevalent in the United States or in a place where there's a medical model of birth, is that why, is there a connection there? So that's how I'm approaching the scope and sort of looking at what are my limits on what kinds of things I am, uh, it's appropriate for me to discuss, what kind of things can I educate my clients about, and what do I need to know if it turns out that my clients are more well-educated than me about a certain type of approach to this kind of a problem. I'll need to know what they know so that I can help them determine if that's something that's going to be helpful. It may be that they're bringing to me um, a more holistic look at something. They might be bringing to me something nutritional. So I need to know where are all of those different ways that this can go. So after I've looked at that, I'll think about um, the what I've read, what I remember having read in you know the, the latest Journal of Human Lactation, the latest issue of Clinical Lactation. I'm a member of ILCA, so I, that means that I get a copy of Journal of Human Lactation in the mail, and I'm a member of USLCA, so that means I get a copy of Clinical Lactation in the mail. And I know some people are digital members, so they get digital copies. I read those things cover to cover. I'm fascinated by all of the stuff that we do, so yes, I read them cover to cover. But of course, I don't remember everything that I've read. So I just want to sort of pick my brain for if anything pops out as I read that recently, or I know there's a big article about that from a couple of years ago, but I really don't remember what it said. So that's going to help just kind of remind me of what's been talked about recently in the, the specific literature that comes through our field. Sometimes I'll have access to Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine's journal, breastfeeding medicine. So I might remember something from there and the protocols come from there as well. And so that's actually the next place that I check. Is there a protocol from the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine on this topic or that discusses this topic as part of a causation of a problem or part of a treatment of a problem, if it's a technique or strategy? So I want to see, does the ABM have a protocol? Because if there's a protocol, even if it's older, it's not a very current one, it is going to contain a really good list of references that I'm going to be able to draw on. It's going to have very likely, even if it's old, it's going to be the source of what I already knew because I've always been practicing looking at these protocols and taking those into account. 
So I'm looking for, um, obviously I'm looking for really updated protocols, but I really wanna know, do they have one? Because that's just a really important way of looking at something which I know many people have already looked at and put together into generally a protocol. So that's gonna be a framework, a step-by-step, -step, something that's gonna be useful and something that's gonna have a really good discussion of the problem and what is the existing knowledge around that problem. I definitely want to know if there's a protocol. Then I'm going to go to Google Scholar and I'm going to look for articles about this topic from about the last two years. And hopefully I'm going to find a bunch. I'm going to find at least 10, I'll say. And those are the things that I'm going to use for my education, my research. I'm going to see what's current. I want to know what has recently been studied around this area. Some topics, if you look up in Google Scholar, you're going to find 50, 60, 75 recent articles from say, you know, right now it's 2021, you might find that many just in the last two years on one topic, but you might have a more niche topic where it's very narrow and you're only going to find five to seven articles or you're only going to find 15. So it really depends on the topic. If my time frame is only yielding me three or four results that are new knowledge on this topic, I might have to reach back a little bit further and see, you know, a year before that and a year before that. But we really aren't going to be working with information that's more than five years old. We really need to be, especially when we're presenting, we want to present the absolute newest, the latest of what we know and how that fits in with the knowledge base that was existing when it was published. So kind of looking for those most recent things. Really, the, the main things I want to see is if has anyone done a systematic review or a meta-analysis of all the other research that was already out there? That's really important. Again, not just for the research that's in it and the conclusions, but the discussion of the topic is really instructive for me to be creating my introduction, my uh, framework of what I want to actually present, what objectives we're going to have in that presentation. I'm going to look in my textbooks if I've got most recent editions of textbooks. And I'll tell you in the process of doing this this morning for my new topic, I ended up on Amazon ordering a new textbook because the new edition has exactly what I needed. So um, my digital copy is already in my email inbox and I'll be diving into that this weekend. And I'm you know, I, I'm looking in my textbooks because, again, that helps to confirm where did my knowledge come from and what is current? Is it still the same? Is it something that's just not going to change that much? Or is there new research in these other articles I've pulled out that's kind of going against it or bringing some new light to the topic? Then I'm going to think about what have I learned in all of this reading? What have I learned in all of this thinking about the topic? Sometimes this can take me a couple of weeks to really process this information. So it's good to have a lot of time to prepare your outline. And I like to give myself enough time to process it a couple of different times so that it's not just my first try at putting this information together for my outline. I really want to know a couple of different ways that I can approach this topic and then decide on what is going to be the best. I want to figure out what did I learn in my reading and considering on this topic, what supports what I thought I knew, what was disproved, what is new and I didn't realize it, 
and you know what is really well supported, but also what's left unanswered, what needs more research, what else could people ask in the Q&A section of my presentation that there might not actually be an answer to. I want to be aware of that so that I can get through that as quickly as possible. And then finally, you know, before I head into even making my slides, I'm going to think about how I can turn what I've learned and what I now know about this topic into a step-by-step -step process or a checklist or a framework for my learners to be able to incorporate what I have just presented to them and be able to remember it because they're going to hear my discussion of all this information. They're going to hear me list all these things out. Um, but if they don't put it together into a list of their own, it may take them longer to incorporate that into their actual practice. So I want to think about how I'm going to do that. And sometimes that step-by-step -step process is actually going to tell me exactly how I need to present this information during the presentation. So that's just kind of a peek into what I do. I also take a look through as I go and at the end to make sure that I've kept that global context and I haven't created a presentation that's really far too local or far too uh, narrow in scope of how people approach problems. I really wanna make sure that there's a large, really uh, wide angle view of how people approach this problem and why this problem occurs and why it is a problem in the first place. And so if that is helpful for you, I really hope that it is. And maybe it even gives you a little bit of confidence that this is something that you can do. I know I said a lot of things, but I really want you to know that this is a process that you can do. And what it is, is just a little bit deeper than what you would do if you had to look something up because a client was presenting to you with this problem. And you thought, well, I, is there more for me to know? Here's how I'm gonna approach learning more about it. So that's how I do it. That's, as I said, most of the steps, there's other parts to it. It takes a, you know, a varying amount of time for me to prepare these things, but I really look forward to these opportunities because getting a deep dive into a topic really makes you think about other things that are related to it. So it's a lot of fun for me. I enjoy that type of intellectual stimulation. <laughs> it's hard and it's, um, it's a little intimidating sometimes, but it really does show us and demonstrate to us what kind of information there is about the work that we do and what is missing and what would be the best things, you know, if we had a magic wand, what would we change? What kind of research would we bring in? What kind of focus on lactation would we bring to this that would really make things better for us as practitioners and for the people that we serve, those families? So if you have enjoyed what you've heard, I encourage you to go to my website, download those five free content posts and post them wherever you would like. They're made for Facebook and Instagram. And when I um, introduce the whole package for purchase, that will also include formats for Twitter and Pinterest as well. So that that'll be something that you can use in a lot of places. And like I said, you'll be able to take those captions and do whatever you need to do with them to make them appropriate for your audience. And then while you're there, check out the first 100 hours and check out the early birds module and see if those are learning opportunities that you need right now. I am looking forward to 
talking to more of you, to hearing some feedback, to getting some reviews on this podcast. That would be amazing. And I am really happy that you joined me today for this different type of episode of the Lactation Training Lab podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. Thanks.